The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I want to thank everybody who's been texting in following that conversation. And I'm going to get to uh, your replies. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are brutally honest and... Um, very personal, and I appreciate that. So we will get to some of your texts coming up uh, shortly. Um, I promise you that. I wanted to do this story for a little while now because I've been following it on Facebook. Uh, it's an update on a story we told you just a couple of months ago about a young, well, it's a Morinville baby, a newborn baby, um, who Edmontonians, Albertans have rallied around. His name is Hudson Cowie. His uh, nickname is Mighty Hudson after he was born with a rare disease called Severe Combined Immunodeficiency, also known as boy-in-the-bubble disease. you remember having this conversation? Well, his family was told he'd need a bone marrow transplant and hundreds of people in the region were tested. Well, there's some good news. Hudson is now in a hospital in Memphis after undergoing gene therapy. His dad, Ian, joins me now. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dylan. How are you? Good. How are things going down there? Things are going actually very well, tremendously well. Okay, so uh, to, to, to catch people up in the last, it's been, um, you know, Hudson was born in June, right? June 23rd, if I'm right? June, June 23rd. Yeah, he was born in the morning. Yeah, June 23rd and, uh, you know, very quickly afterwards was diagnosed um, with, uh, with, this, uh, with this disease. He was told, you guys were told that you would need a bone marrow transplant, needed to find a donor. So we did a bone, uh, a, a, a donor search here for, uh, for a few few days right around the region and had a, a number of people respond to it didn't you ian yeah we had uh, at the end of the week, we had uh, 373 people register as donors just during our drives and then we don't even know how many more registered by signing up online which is yeah, very, very big turnout yeah which is a, which is amazing and and along the way um a little bit more um you know testing done on on hudson and found he had a uh, a, a different kind of, I, I want to say strain, but I don't think that's the right word, strain of this illness. What what was that all about? Yeah, so basically with SCID, there's, um, it's, it's a presentation that could be caused by any number of different um, genetic disorders. Um, and the one specific genetic disorder that Hudson had is called X-linked SCID. Um, so it was a deficiency of um, one of his genes on, on the X strands in his uh, genetics. Um, and because it ended up being that X-linked skin, we actually qualified for an alternative treatment that we're getting done down here in the States. So that alternative treatment is, uh, is gene therapy and it reduces the number of chemotherapy uh, sessions that uh, your baby had to go through. So you, you took off. Once the ball got rolling, this happened really fast, didn't it, Ian? Crazy fast. <laughs> yeah, we, got, um, we got the results of our genetics on August 8th. And I want to say it was Wednesday the next week, the 14th, that we got a call from St. Jude saying that yep, they're very excited about our case. And if we're interested in pursuing this treatment option, um, they'd want to fly us out as soon as possible. So off you went. And uh, again, you can follow uh, Hudson's story on Facebook at uh, just uh, just uh, type into the search bar, uh, Mighty Hudson. And it's been a fascinating one. And once you got down there, uh, the process began and has really in the past uh, couple of weeks i keep reading this and it sounds so odd to where when you read it it says hudson just received his new his his new <laughs> immune system but that's really what's happened isn't it i think that's the, that's the easiest way to kind of describe what's been done for him it's uh, the gene therapy process itself is incredibly technical it's well over my head 
Um, but yeah, the, the brass tacks good as he's had his broken immune system taken out and a, and a brand new one put back in. So how long, like, did, do we know that it's working already? Do we have to wait uh, weeks, months, years? So our first milestone is going to be in about a month from now. Um, they're not really testing much between now and then just because um, they're not expecting to see any of the markers yet. Mm. However, they said at about a month's time following the treatment is when they should see the first sort of evidence that the, the, his graft, if you will, is, has taken and it's starting to do its job. So how is, how is your baby holding up? Uh, he's doing really well. Um, We've had uh, tons of specialists coming into into our isolation room with us, child life, physiotherapy, occupational therapy, um, musical therapy, anything you can think of to try to really encourage the, the normal childhood experience, if you will, being trapped in a, in a uh, just a small white room. Um, but again, being the age that he is, he, I don't think he really knows much difference about what's going on. He's just happy to have his mom and his dad. And, well, and now he's been just doing very well. That's my other question. How's mom and dad doing? Ah, we're bored. <laughs> to be honest, um, it's, it's hard. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we're, we're both big travelers, but I mean, coming to Memphis, I don't think we thought we'd be seeing Tennessee like this. No. Um, we spent all of our time with Hudson, right? We haven't really gone out or seen the city very much. So, but um, yeah, you know, we're, we're, doing, we're doing what we need to do and we're, we're happy to be doing it. But how excited are you for this for this opportunity and uh, in, in, in this um, this treatment um, to, to help your baby boy, three months old? We are just over the moon. We can't believe how lucky Hudson has been with all this. Um, just the way all the pieces have fallen together since getting the diagnosis, it's, it just seems like absolutely everything is working working in his favor. So we're, we're very happy about it. We're very happy to be involved in this gene therapy trial and yeah, we're, we're very confident that it's going to be going to be a good cure for him. When do you get to come home? Oh, that's a hard question to answer. It's uh, it's going to be solely dependent on how well he responds to the treatment. Yeah. Um, what we have been told by our, our, our attending physician with this is that if he does exceedingly well with the with the, the procedure, we could see home as early as about four months. Wow. However, at this time, the, I think the expe- expectation is going to be about closer to six. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, you know what? I want to thank you for taking the time to, to join us uh, this afternoon. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on there and, of course, uh, must be overwhelming at times uh, given everything that you're going through. I, I did think it was important to point out that all of those people who were tested uh, for potential bone marrow, marrow donor, when you looked at those numbers over, what was it, over 300 um, you know, that that, that uh, wasn't all for naught, that that wasn't wasted, um, that they're in the system now and that they can help somebody else. And you were really mm-hmm. adamant about making sure that people knew about that as well. That's exactly it. It's, uh, it although we didn't take the bone marrow transplant route ourselves, um, those people that, that showed up and, and became aware of, of the bone marrow, um, bone marrow system, um, yeah, they're all registered now. And now that's very possible that they could help somebody else that needs it. All right. Well, four months from now, if uh, Hudson does very well, four months, I think, would be put September, October, November. Oh, oh no, it would just be past Christmas. I was going to say maybe home in time for Christmas. But, Ian, um, I just want to thank you again for this update. And, again, I'm going to urge people to go to your Facebook page. There's lots of information on there. Thank you for being, uh, for sharing Hudson's story with everybody and, uh, and, and, and for taking the time again today to join us. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. You betcha. That's Ian Cowie. That is Mighty Hudson's uh, dad. He's. Uh, we're talking to him from Memphis, where a uh, little three-year-old, not three-year-old, three-month-old Hudson has just gone through gene therapy for this uh, disease that he has. And it's, you know, being born without an immune system, a boy-in-the-bubble disease. But uh, things are going well. And again, you can follow along on Facebook this story at uh, Mighty Hudson, or you can check out uh, 630ched.com or globalnews.ca. Suling Go, uh, the Health Matters um, reporter, has uh, just recently done a story on this as well. We'll take a break here when we come back. Your text following our conversation with Jeff Sitch and Jennifer Martin on this um, Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. So I want to cycle back around to that conversation that we were having a, a little earlier with uh, Jennifer Martin and Jeff Sitch, both uh, a part of the Alberta Critical Incident Provincial uh, Network. As we mark World Suicide Prevention today, that is today. Since 2003, September 10th has been marked as... <clears throat> excuse me, World Suicide uh, Prevention Day and in Edmonton as many as 11 people consider taking their life every day. I've told you about um, well I've, I've mentioned that my nephew Jasper died by uh, suicide um, in 2008. He was um, 15 turning 16 years old. He was a star football player, all around amazing kid um, and um, you know every anniversary I still think about him of course I do and um, still wonder what we could have done differently if there was anything that we could have done differently some of your texts coming in this afternoon uh, Jay I wouldn't even know where to start explaining my story but I have had suicide a suicidal ideation for close to 15 years it reached critical levels and I attempted to take my life in the last five years or so after the oil crash and lost my job my marriage fell apart I hardly see my kids because of a nasty divorce and the only thing that matters to me is this I will never take my life because it will negatively affect people more than I know my children can't and will never know that their father killed himself I've wanted to on so many days I'd love to share my story with you on another day but I'm busy driving to work uh, thanks for having these conversations the only way to stop the vicious cycle of um, suicide and, and self-harm thank you for sharing uh, this afternoon and then this one and when we talked about you know, knowing what to say, knowing what to do. And it says, please don't use my name, Jay. But uh, I had to pull over and text you guys. 11 years ago, I was 15, and a friend of mine who was 16 told me he was going to end his life. I was in a loss for words, and he told me, I don't, don't tell anybody, especially his family. I went home. It was about 9 in the evening. I was up all night with debating what to do. My dad woke up for work at 5.30 in the morning, and he heard noises coming from my room. He came in. I was an emotional wreck. I told him everything. We got in dad's truck and rushed to my friend's house, and... Um, we, we talked to his dad to tell him, or we called to tell uh, him that we were coming over and needed to talk. We told his parents everything and then went down to the basement to talk to my friend. He was literally in tears finishing up his suicide note. He planned on hanging himself on the way to school. Uh, the whole point of this is to say, please don't wait if somebody wants help. It's better for them to be mad at you for a while and still have them uh, in your life. Thank you so much to your guests. That number... The Canadian Mental Health Association's 24-hour distress line is 780-482-HELP. That's 780-482-4357. Uh, Brendan Escott. 
Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. You came in and asked if, if you could share something with yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, I did. I've uh, I've lived in Edmonton almost three years now. Uh, when I moved here, I moved here alone for the purpose of going to school. But I was about a month early from that, so I didn't have too much of a social connection. And the isolation was difficult, and everybody, uh, you know, was going through family stuff. So I, I had reached out to that mental health hotline at that point. And I just, I really wanted to, to jump on here and just sort of explain what happens when you do call that hotline it's about as warm and welcome and open a forum as you could possibly ask for it's almost like you're calling a friend and they don't ask your name you don't know their name they just listen and they say what's going on and you start i mean i didn't even really know where to start the most recent time that i did this but i just hey you know i've i've got this external stressor i've got this going on i've just gone through a breakup you know my my mom is struggling etc and we just sort of talk about it and the conversation is it's never one of uh, in my experience one of judgment um or anything along those lines it's just yeah i understand why why those kinds of things might make you feel like you're feeling um but the resources that they're able to offer and i think that my ultimate goal in in reaching out was where do i go for help where do i go to get a long-term uh situation where i don't have to feel like this anymore and i left that conversation which might have been say between half an hour and 45 minutes uh with more idea direction uh and more awareness of just all the resources that we have available to us in this city it is incredible everything from um you know if you're if you're open to something like group group discussion uh they have that there's individuals there's walk-in clinics there's Mm -hmm. mental health emergency resources there is an absolute wealth and a lot of what that phone call is once you've sort of explained what you're going through is how to find the appropriate course of action for you um do you come out with a bit of hope absolutely just and again i think part of that is just coming from the clarity of now i know where to turn now i know about the resources that are at my disposal um and and it's not as if you just hang that phone up and that's the end of it either right you they make sure before you are done on the phone that even for the next hour and a half what are you doing what can Hmm. we do so that you're um they help you self-identify a lot of the things that can sort of make you feel a little bit better and um it's just i can't stress enough jay how friendly welcoming and and understanding the people on the other end of that hotline are so if you're listening today or any other day this is it's a resource that I don't think a lot of people understand how powerful it is and it was a really positive experience for me why did you need um, why did you believe that you wanted to share that today because it's tough when you're in that situation to know what the right thing to do is and personally you know, working at uh, a big radio station like this it's am I am I worthy of help is there somebody more needing of help than me and and that's not the case mm-hmm. ever 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 so it, it, it was just again <laughs> so positive jay good i'm glad to hear that brendan thank you for sharing i appreciate that so much again the the number that uh, brendan is is talking about is the canadian mental health association's 24-hour distress line at 780-482-help that's 780-482-4357 uh, when jen and jeff were in here they're also talking about that line specifically designated for first responders and the number is 1-833-894-2476.